Everything you know about health is about to change. Welcome to Straight Talk on Health with Dr. Vincent Medici. Sometimes people suffer, not from lack of faith, but from lack of knowledge. This is the show that changes that. If you are tired of being sick, tired of not getting answers, tired of spinning in circles, for healing is not a mystery. It is a miracle that you were designed to experience. It takes hard work and real knowledge. It takes patience and time. It takes the education this show can provide. So get it straight today. Here's Dr. Medici. Good morning, my favorite half an hour each week, especially so today. I am so happy because the pandemic is over. I mean, it's over. It's done. And how do I know that? Well, yesterday, I'm driving through Orange County, and I noticed something. And it comes out of nowhere, and you know I've been on the show since February 29th telling you this is a grossly exaggerated pandemic. It's media-built. It doesn't fit with the statistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know my rant. Well, it's all come true every step of the way. But if you remember the last month or so, I've been saying this is not going to get lifted. This quarantine is not going away until you make it go away. And why aren't you making it go away? And this was a real concern of mine. You heard it. But you did it. You did it. You did it in a way I didn't think you were going to do it. No, you didn't get down to Sacramento and demonstrate. Praise you if you did, but you didn't. We didn't go to Eric Garcetti's City Hall and demonstrate, not really, not in any appreciable numbers. By God, if we could have had, what, 50% of the people who took the time and devoted themselves to civil demonstration in the last week, if we could have taken half of that and gone to our state capitals to tell our governors to pull their heads out and think clearly about this, if we could have done that, but we didn't, and it didn't look good to me. But you did it. You did it in a way I didn't think about. This is amazing. I want you to catch this. You, the public, most of you in the public, have ended the pandemic, and it started yesterday. It started yesterday. I've been tracking this every single day since we heard the word coronavirus. You did it in your head. You did. So there I am. I'm driving on PCH through Corona Del Mar and Newport Beach and Laguna. And what do I notice? I notice everybody's out in the restaurants. They're on the cafes. They're sitting outdoors. No one's social distancing. Nobody's wearing face masks. In other words, the cafes are people next to people. I also notice that when people are walking, they're trying to be socially distant. I'll bet you those are the same people that are still washing their hands more often. I'll bet you what this has come down to finally is what it should have been from the beginning. Some good old-fashioned common sense. And you did it. There is a change in the air. 
There is a change in the business community. And for some reason, it paralleled Trump's announcement about how the economy is bouncing back. It is bouncing back. Everybody wants it back. And this will be a trend. So I'm going to announce it today because I've been ahead of the queue from the beginning. The pandemic's over. Socially distance. I don't want to get into this face mask thing. But the bottom line, it's out of your soul now. Get on with it. And you are. And if you get in your car today and you cruise around Orange County, you will see what I mean. Even Fauci now is talking about maybe we can go back to school. Maybe we can do this. Maybe we don't have to turn this into a draconian world. Well, people are starting to think a little more clearly now because we've had a lot of time to check the data. I'm going to get into the data in hindsight now, the data. But today's show, the pandemic is over. But what about the elderly? Today's show, the pandemic is over. But what about the elderly? Because in the end, where we messed it up, from Stockholm, Sweden, to Germany, to Italy, to Spain, to France, to New York, to the world, we didn't take care of the elderly. Had we put our resources there, our true resources there, and yes, we needed to understand the virus, but no, we didn't really do it. We still haven't done it. If the elderly are going to get this, they're going to get it when they come out of their house because the virus is still around. The point is some groups are vulnerable, especially vulnerable. And what are we doing about them? Well, how can we do anything about them when we're so worried about the children? The children, yeah. It's verboten in our culture to say, forget the children. The children are going to do much better than their parents. Who cares about the children? You can't say that, you see. But the truth is, if you look about the statistics, and so I want to bring you some of the statistics right now. If you get on the website, if you're near it, if you can, if not, look at it later. I've constantly referred to World Meter. This is one of the generally approved upon trusted resources. It's called Worldometer. If you get on my website, straighttalk.cc, play around with Worldometer. They compile statistics and break them down in a variety of ways. And if you understand just a little bit about how to interpret the statistics, you can clearly see some interesting things. Well, on Worldometer, straight out of Public Health Department, New York City, as of May 13th, from the age of zero to 17, in the worst scenario, the worst scenario, from the age of zero to 17, that group represents 0.06% of the deaths. 0.06% of the deaths. 0.06%, not 0.6%, not 1%. Not 60%, 0.06% of the deaths. A lot of people said in the beginning, epidemiologists who knew what they were talking about, that we should have let 
the virus mix through the children because they weren't going to get sick. And that would have spread immunity faster. But we missed that opportunity, not to mention everything else we did, not to mention what we've got lined up for the fall and maybe the next year, not to mention the long-term effect on our health at 0.06%. Of the age group 18 to 44, it's right on world meter right out of New York City Department of Health, May 13th. 18 to 44 years old, percent of the deaths from that group that do not have complications. I mean the sick stuff. The stuff you don't get between 18 and 44. 0.8%. You can read it yourself. It's right on my website. It's the second link. All you got to do is click two buttons. So are you telling me then that between the age of zero and 44 years old, effectively, the percentage of people that died of coronavirus between zero and 44, minus people with comorbidities, you know, like sick infants, a 25-year-old that's very sick with some form of disease, cancer, born with a bad heart, type 1, not type 2, type 1 diabetes, a 25-year-old college student that's 350, 400 pounds, deeply asthmatic. No, the vast majority of people age 0 to 44 without comorbidities represent 0.8% percent of all the deaths 0.8 percent not even one percent zero to 44 and we told all those people by quarantine decree across the united states and the world to hide under a rock that hurt all of us and you know who it hurt the most the elderly that's right because, you see, when are the elderly going to come out and start to interact? And had we gotten more along what you call the herd immunity, and yes, contrary to Dr. Burks's stupidity, herd immunity is a term you can use aside from vaccinations. Herd immunity is the way healthy organisms finally beat viruses. And cultures, through exposure to those who are not going to get sick, can approach herd immunity so when grandma and grandpa come out from underneath the rock they've been told to hide under, they're way less likely to get sick. That's what we're facing now. So what was the risk between the age 0 and 44 that in hindsight, as evidenced by statistics that we can trust. This is a source. World of Meter is a source you can trust. Everybody does. 0.8%. Less than 1% of all the deaths are between 0 and 44. Now, how about this one? If you check the same graph, the same table, I should say, between the age of 0 and 64 years old, 0 and 64, if you don't have a comorbidity, What's a comorbidity? 
kidney disease, lung disease, cancer, some disease that causes immunodeficiency, heart disease, bad hypertension, bad asthma, liver gallbladder disease. I'm not talking about flush your liver and gallbladder. I'm talking about real diseases, stuff that keeps you sick. That aside, between the ages of zero and 64, that accounts for 3.5% of all the deaths to the 110,000 we've lost in the United States. This is in New York City, where anything you've got in New York City, the whole design of New York City, Brooklyn, Queens, those are the boroughs I'm from, Staten Island, the Bronx, Manhattan, the five boroughs of New York City, believe me, relative to the clean, sweet, blue Pacific of Orange County, those boroughs are cesspools. As much as I love the people, it's filthy there. It's congested. It's radiated. It's polluted. And it's still, out of New York City, zero to 64 years old, without comorbidity, 3.5%. Yeah, 3.5%. So what did we do? So where, in hindsight, did we have a case? Yes, we had a case for niche groups over 70 years old. If you had comorbidity, if you weren't doing well, if your health was frail, it's not that hard to tell who's in that group. Those of you in that group know you're in that group. There's a real concern, and we've made your concern worse. We have. Because we're further away from herd immunity because of what we've done. Remember, in the beginning, the idea of flattening the curve was not to decrease death. It was to delay death. You got to get that one. The quarantine was done in the interest of flattening the curve, meaning delaying death rather than preventing death. That meant in any given moment, especially in the beginning, in very congested areas like Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, parts of L.A., you didn't want to have the medical systems overloaded. And that, at the time, because we didn't understand, was a concern. That was a valid concern. A concern that the dispensation of two massive ships and all sorts of other conversions to East and West Coast dealt with very effectively, along with the medical community adopting very effectively. But collectively, it became obvious. Early on, one month, six weeks, by mid-April, that these precautions weren't even going to be necessary that the hospital system was handling what was coming in. And this is when flags started to drop because the narrative shifted from let's simply flatten the curve to let's stay under quarantine. And when people started bucking back, then we saw the true color of how this played itself out. And you know it, and I know it. There was a heavy political edge to this. But in hindsight now, 
Now that the pandemic's over, businesses are opening. Oh, and yeah, this notion about how now that businesses are opening, we're going to see the statistics skyrocket. Other than the CDC's ability and public health agencies' ability to do what Dr. Ezeke said they're doing. Dr. Ezeke did us a huge favor out of Chicago. She actually inadvertently or perhaps purposely told us how they're cheating on the death certificates. Any symptom similar to coronavirus, which is any symptom, can be written down as coronavirus death. No one ever did that before. No one ever did it to the flu. And other than that, they might do it again. This pandemic is over. Remember Georgia? The state of Georgia, the state of Florida, the state of Georgia, six, we're, six weeks ago, I believe it was Governor Kemp, lifting the quarantine in the state of Georgia and being told by the mayor of Atlanta that he was going to unleash a plague, that death rates were going to spiral, that his decision was going to cost the state of Georgia thousands and thousands of deaths. The same rant went down with Rick DeSantis, the governor of Florida, and it's been over a month. It's been six weeks for Georgia. No increase, nothing, zero. If you think about that, it calls to question just really what was, why were we seeing a plateauing in the death rates in certain, in certain states? One state was California. To date, to date, to this day, California has 4,500 deaths. Now, I want you to understand this. It troubles me too many people don't. I want you to understand this about some numbers. Remember that number they circulated that the death rate from the flu was 0.1%. That's called the infection fatality rate, the IFR. Called the infection fatality rate. It tells us, in retrospect, all things said and done, all people accounted for, all data compiled. It tells us really just how dangerous was that. It takes a while to get that. Lots of people predicted that this virus would not be much more dangerous than the flu. I was one of them. Check my February 29th show. And the reason I knew this is because I watched this go down with HIV virus. It was the same theme, just a different script. I watched the medical community make billions by slanting statistics. I watched HIV go from a virus that would hit an extremely limited percentage of the population to the next plague. And I watched doctors lie, cheat, slant statistics. And so when the coronavirus came down, I was set to understand and started analyzing from that standpoint. And that's why you heard me say, check my February 29th show. That was the beginning of this. That you need to relax behind this and understand that the statistics are going to get slanted, the media is going to hype, the politicians are going to jump in line, and this is going to get political. It's going to 
come down to follow the money trail. And in the context of COVID-19, you're talking about vaccines, something we have no doubt, and I'll do a separate show on this, something we have no doubt, and I'll do a separate show on this, that Fauci and Burks and Gates and his wife are all heavily invested in, in addition to, I'm sure, the executives of the World Health Organization. This is a tryst. This is a consortium that's going to make a lot of money, incredible amounts of money. And that's for openers. I won't go to the other places. I won't go to population control. I won't go to that at this juncture. I'll just simply say one thing's for sure. Dr. Fauci and Burks are going to make a lot of money. You know the expression, you work for the government? Well, next to the private sector, you really don't make a lot of money. Yeah, tell me about it. If you think that one's true, you have to open your eyes. These elected officials have side deals everywhere and ways to hide their incomes and places and bank accounts to put all sorts of things, not to mention the power. Power is compelling. Power more than cash is compelling. It makes people do things a certain way. You have to understand it that way to understand what ultimately happened from flattening the curve to envisioning a world that's going to be forevermore a lot different. You see, we started in one place. We ended up shortly thereafter another. And this is why I'm so happy today, because you changed it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did Governor Newsom get on the public media forum yesterday or the day before or in the last few days and say, this is done, go back to life as we once knew it? Did we hear Fauci make the announcement? Did Burks make the announcement? Did anybody do this? Was this actually, was this forumed anywhere? I'm calling it early. You're going to get this by the end of the week. I'm just doing what I always do. Get it to you ahead of time. What I'm getting to you ahead of time is you changed it. I want you to recognize that, every single one of you. You're done. You're done. And that's why everybody's back. Because you're done. It wasn't the laws. It wasn't the politicians. It wasn't our medical officials. It wasn't even the president. It wasn't the Democrats. It wasn't the Republicans. It was you. It was you. We're going to go down and tell you it was you. Just like a week ago, two weeks ago, three year, weeks ago, I said, if you don't do something about this, if you don't do something about this, this is never going to change. Because Gavin Newsom et al. is not going to stand up before the state of California and say it's done. No one is. No one has. So how did it change then? You changed it. If I've been wrong anywhere, I didn't know that all it would take is for you to change it in your head. I missed that one. I did. I want a demonstration. Peaceful, civil demonstrations. Just like the peaceful, civil demonstrations we saw this week. I wanted peaceful civil demonstration up in Sacramento with large numbers to change our politicians. I didn't think 
but I'm sure now that we didn't even need that. We just needed you to realize this is done. And that's what's changed everything. You go out today, you get in your car, you cruise around, you look at people, you look at the restaurants, you look at the overall flavor in the neighborhoods, and you'll see we're sick of it. We've seen through this. Here's a statistic. And again, we talk about the science. You see, the problem with people that say, I'm not going to support this if it's not science-backed, is nobody understands enough about science. I like what Michael Levitt does. Michael Levitt was the biophysicist out of Stanford that won the Nobel Prize. He just crunches numbers. I like number crunching. You can't argue with math. In the state of California today, we have 4,558 people who have died. God bless them to COVID-19. Now, how much of that is true? Hard to say, right? But that's another subject. 4558. If we project, and you can do this, that 12% of California is infected, 12%. 12% is like one out of nine people. If we project that even 10% of California is infected, we have a infection fatality rate, an IFR, that's a little higher than the flu. It comes to about 0.15%. 0.16% as opposed to the 0.1% for the flu. If we go as low as to speculate, now when I say 12.5%, if I say 10% of the state of California is presently infected, meaning they've been exposed to the virus, they have positive antibodies to the virus. and you take the number of deaths and divide it by the number of exposed, you have a statistic that's extremely similar to the flu. That's what lots of us said from the beginning. And in the state of California, just talking about a 10% infection rate, this is no worse than the flu. It still stands today in New York City. It is very confidently speculated that the infection rate in New York is about 20%. One out of five New Yorkers are infected. To make a statement like that, and then to extrapolate out of that into the state of California, gives us statistics about the IFR that are telling us what all these epidemiologists I've put on the website have stated that this is not a lot worse than the flu. I said it on February 29th. I'll say it today, with the exception of the niche groups. And part two of my show that I'll post within two hours is what the elderly can do about COVID-19. So all of you, get on the website in a couple of hours. The rest of you, we're back to normal. 714-850-1007. If you've got health concerns, if you want to get on the right track, Give my office a jingle. Ta-ta. God bless you. 
The pandemic is over. Bye bye. Okay, that's a wrap. Don't forget to get to Dr. Medici's website at drmedici.com to look at the pictures and review the show as often as you wish. See you next week. Okay, part two. I liked part one. I was so sick of this coronavirus nonsense and this Orwellian future. I'm so glad. Wow. What a learning experience. It was just your consciousness. It's over. And any second wave, they're never going to be able to go back to what they pulled before. Never. No, you'd have to have a completely different animal. So here's to you, my beautiful American public. You did it. I don't know how you did it. You didn't look like you were doing it. I'll say that. I wasn't screaming on this show repeatedly in the last couple of months because I saw people acting. I saw people crawling under rocks, not doing their homework, all sorts of things I was asking you not to fall prey to. But you still did it. No one's wearing face masks. Everybody's out. It's a trend, man. This is what's trending. It's done. All right. Before we get back to normal, good old normal, I just want to go through a couple of things. You've you got to understand certain terms. And then, you know, the th crux of the show is there's a group that still has to stay concerned. And we exaggerated their concerns at first. And then we made choices that are making their concerns now that we're back to normal more real than ever because the coronavirus is still around and everything's getting back to normal. Now, what does that mean? People who we call the elderly, an age group I'm almost in, I can't believe I'm even saying. Right? In 10 years, I'm 72. This group wants to come out of the house now. And instead of 50, 60, 7 out of 10 people being immune, meaning, meaning incapable of transmitting, what our indiscretions have caused now for the elderly coming out into the population is more risk. Witkowski, Witkowski was saying this. Gusecki was saying this. Cats Ionitis, Pacharia, Gupta, myself, everyone with half a brain was saying this. Now we got to deal with it. So the second part of the show is going to be, or at least not the crux of the show, is going to be about what do you do if you're elderly? But before that, some statistics, some some sense of how to understand epidemi epidemiological terms. First of all, mortality rate. The mortality rate. The mortality rate means if California has 40 million people and you take after this thing blows out, let's say in a year from now, or whatever cycle this thing is in, if it's even a cycle, 
And you go and you take the number of COVID deaths, true, the real COVID-19 deaths. That means you didn't die with the virus, you died because of the virus. That means your symptoms at death could have looked like the virus, but you got tested. And you tested positive for the virus. Antibodies. And again, there's shades of gray here that make statistics a little more difficult to come by. But well-intentioned, if in fact you get the number of deaths and you divide it by the number of people in the population you're studying. Let's say the state of California. Let's say California gets 10 million, excuse me, 10,000 deaths. Right now it doesn't even have 5,000. But let's say the state of California endures 10,000 deaths in a state of 40 million. If you divide 10,000 by 40 million, that's called the mortality rate. Mortality rate. Okay? So let me do that. You do it also. 10,000 divided by 40 million. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. 10,000 divided by 40 million. That gives you a 0 0.025. 0 0.025 mortality rate. It's the number of deaths after the thing settles down, divided by the number of people in a given population. 0 0.025 at 10,000 deaths in the state of California. Suppose you want to know the mortality rate in Orange County. Well, what would you do? You take the total number of deaths in Orange County, which is, I believe, under 200 deaths, I, I'm taking that off the top of my head, so you're going to have to forgive me if I'm incorrect. I actually don't have to take it off the top of my head. I believe I can get to this fast enough. Yeah, here we go. If we want to go to Orange County to get the mortality rate in Orange County, okay? The mortality rate in Orange County. Here we go in the city of Orange we have a total death of 174 people. 174 people have died in Orange County since this whole thing began. And if you take the Orange County population in 2019, you've got 3.2 million people. So, if we want to get the mortality rate of the people of this virus in Orange County, we take 174 and we divide it by 3,200,000 people. The mortality rate is 0.005%. That's even less than the state. So, Orange County if you take the mortality rate is less than the state of California. Now, let's use another word. It's not mortality rate. Now let's use another word. It's called the case fatality rate. 
case fatality rate, CFR, case fatality rate. That says, let's just say you're in a hospital and a thousand people come in and they say, I wasn't sick, now I'm sick. Help me. And you test them all. And they've got the virus. They've got antibodies to the virus, IgMs, because it's acute. Whatever it is, they got it. You're sure they've got the virus. They're sick. And you take this thousand people and you track them, meaning you watch them. You stay in touch with them. You find out what happens to them. And you find out of that thousand people that you know have it, a hundred die. The case mortality rate, or case fatality rate, I should say, the case fatality rate, sometimes it's called case mortality. This stuff gets a little freaky-deaky because, you know, it's homo sapien, human beings. Always got to complicate things. Everyone's got to throw synonyms in and confuse the hell out of everybody else. And that all serves chaos, which is what we've had for three months now in the world. Chaos. But that aside, the case fatality rate then is the number of deaths, which is 100, divided by the number of people you know got it because you tested it. 100 divided by 1,000 is 10%. Then you say the case fatality rate is 10%. Maybe, a.k.a., case mortality rate. So if it's the CFR or the CMR, they're often used interchangeably. Okay, now. Suppose that 1,000 people that come into the hospital becomes the bottom number. But really, you have to come to terms with the fact that in a population, that thousand people that came to the hospital is just a, a mere reflection. It's a minuscule of the number of people that either got sick or were asymptomatic that still got the virus in their body. So that that number in the bottom ain't a thousand, it's a million. It's a thousand times a thousand. It's a million. And you say, you know, you're saying that the case fatality rate or case mortality rate, you're saying that the case mortality rate, the case fatality rate is 10% because the number of deaths divided by the number of people that got it but the number of people that got it is way bigger. It's a million people. It's not a thousand people. It's exponentially larger. And you take the number of people that died, which is still what? A hundred. And now you divide it by a million. You get a completely different number. Now you get 0.01%. You had 10%. Now it's 0.01%. It decreased by a factor of a thousand, 
because you increased the number on the bottom by a thousand. Simple math. So we say the case fatality rate is changing or the case mortality rate isn't constant. It constantly what? Goes down. That's why from the beginning when they said this is 50 times more dangerous than the flu and CNN and Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon and these slobs, slobs. Now I got to get, I got to hang loose here. These pigs, these are excrement. Anderson Cooper, CNN, globalist pigs took this data and grossly exaggerated the threat. And right away, everyone, including me, was saying, no, the case fatality rate, the case mortality rate is going to go down and down and down and down and down and down. We give that a different name. The changing case fatality rate, we give a different name. That different name is called the infection fatality rate. You don't really need to give it a name and add more stupidity in. You can simply say, the hell with the case, the infection fatality rate. You can say, the case fatality rate is going to drop. It's dropping. What was the case fatality rate? 10%. Well, what is it now? 0.26%. Well, what is it going to be in six months? Probably, not probably, definitely as low, if not lower, than the flu. But so you understand the jargon out there. The ever-changing dynamic flux of the case fatality rate is called the infective or infection fatality rate. So you have the MR, mortality rate, the CFR, the case fatality rate, and the IFR, the infection fatality rate. Just put that in the old can there. Stick it in and get to know those terms so you can't be bullshitted anymore because you have been bullshitted blind. And this is cost. This is cost. And it's, you know, I don't want to go there, but we're going to get a second hit, not of this. Unless they've genetically engineered this. And I don't want to go there. Because I don't know if that's true. Intentionally or by accident. Whatever. Unless this is genetically engineered. We're fine. Except what? The at risk groups. And this was Witkowski's point from the beginning. Witkowski. Head of epidemiology. Rockefeller Institute. 20 years. So don't argue with me. Argue with him. And I don't mean that. Argue with me. Bring it on. Dr. Witkowski's made his contribution. God bless him. God bless you, Dr. Witkowski. There are so many arrogant jackasses that don't get this yet. And I don't even want to say stupid, ignorant, just arrogant. We should have let this mix and spend our money protecting vulnerable groups. Meaning, if you thought you were vulnerable, if you fit the parameters, if you were 30 years old and 400 pounds, 
if you were 40 years old and 400 pounds with asthma and obesity, if you were born with a heart defect, definitely if you were over the age of 70 and you had comorbidities. Our governments should have spent and our people would have supported it. You see, you got to see what's going on here. Look at the George Floyd things. I wanted to kick my foot through the TV screen when I saw that. Any person of any color, black, white, red, yellow, that didn't look at that murder and want to kill because of that is a devil. And all those civil protests were so valid and no one will argue that. No one will argue that. But when Antifa took it over, not that they took it over, that they started bringing down cities and rioting, and the African-American community is screaming, that's not us, you see, trying to tip us off. What did our governors do? What did the mayor do? The mayor told the police department, leave the rioters alone. The African-American community was saying, get rid of the rioters, get them out. They're destroying our community. You see how this works? You know how this works. It's working this way with COVID-19. It's taking what was just, what everyone would have supported, which is to make special commendations for those vulnerable groups to this day, and that's what I'm going to get to in the second part of the show, because the government's not going to do it. You have to do it. If you have a comorbidity, if you're over 70, you have to do it. And understand what you can do. Because Governor Newsom's not going to do it. Neither is Governor Cuomo. Neither is Governor Murphy there in New Jersey, that alcoholic. That guy's a lush. I know a lush when I see a lush. There's something wrong with that guy. New Jersey. The number of deaths in Jersey? Jersey's a little pipsqueak state. You know what that's from? It's from the old age homes. You see, that's Murphy taking the cue from Cuomo. Let them all just die. He mixed the populations. He let it happen. He didn't stand out like who? like Rick DeSantis down in Florida, where you have just as many old people and nobody got sick. Rick DeSantis, you see, I hope after Trump, Rick DeSantis runs. I'll campaign for Rick DeSantis. So, mortality rate. Number of deaths divided by the population. Whatever population you want. New York, New York City, Alaska. Meaning what? Mortality rates are going to be different depending on what population you cite. Suppose you look at the mortality rate in a hospital, in the ICU, where everybody's over 80. You're going to have an astronomically high mortality rate. But that's mortality rate. Case fatality rate is the number of people in a population you know got the virus because you tested it. When we say the difference between mortality rate and case fatality rate, you're basically talking about 
in the mortality rate, you don't know how many people in the population have the virus. You just know the population you're studying, what you're putting in the denominator. You just know that number because you select that population. The bottom number in the case mortality rate, the case fatality rate, is that bottom number are people who you know have been tested and have it and have died from it, um, that have it definitely. The top number is the one that died. And the infection fatality rate, the IFR, that's the one I'm interested in. That's the one that's always compared to the flu. That's 0.1 for the flu. Right now, unless you really want to lie to yourself, no matter which way you cut the IFR, it's not much worse than the flu. Now, if you want to go to the infection fatality rate in an old age home, that infection fatality rate's going to go way up. But is that realistic? Because you have to select a population that reflects a population. So you got to understand how that infection fatality rate, that case fatality rate can vary depending on what you look at. But what's your interest? Your interest is you're in Orange County, you're in the city of Los Angeles, you're in Manhattan, you're in the Bronx, you're in Minnesota, you're in Detroit, you're in Alaska, you're in Mars, you're wherever you are. And what you want to do is get a sense of what your risk is in relationship to what you already know. That's why we always use the flu. And the bottom line is, Unless you're over 70 with comorbidity hanging out in an old age home, you ain't getting this. And if you do, you're going to be fine. Now, against that, they shut down the world. I'm going to get to it on another show. I'm going to start bringing guests on my shows. I, I'm very attracted to this because, you know, you can't know everything. I certainly don't. And I know deep down this was about moving money. This is about moving money way at the top. The central banks of Europe shut us down with an excuse so money could change hands. They do it every 10 to 20 years. They did it again. That's what just went down. That's why this damn thing is so strange. It came out of nowhere. Everybody was on it. And now it's gone. It just went. I saw something happen. It didn't make any sense to me. I've predicted everything from day one. Check my shows. This one, you caught me. Hands down, man, you caught me. I woke up yesterday, drove around as I ordinarily do after I work out, the ocean, the whole thing, and I'm like, what happened? Where was the announcement? People just are done with it. They're done with it. I think the unfortunate rioting over the George Floyd thing the violence, not the demonstrations, let's be clear. And you know I'm not saying that to be politically correct. That, I, I, I don't even have words for what I saw. You know? That was, I don't, you don't have words. A police officer does that to a guy. I mean, that's bad. And we all know most police are good people. That's the other side. And we all know that no matter what, we have a right under the Constitution to do exactly what hundreds and thousands of people did across the nation. But the violence piece, 
that's a different story, right? No one's going to really argue that. And there's another piece. It's called Antifa. Antifa. This is a terrorist organization. This is a group of people who were backed by the central banks of Europe. Make no mistake about this. This is a subversive group. These people have infiltrated mostly the Democratic Party. Come on. My dad was a Democrat. Andrew Cuomo, I loved his dad. That was Mario Cuomo. My mother and father and everybody else in New York City were enthralled when Mario Cuomo ran and was elected governor. We wanted him to be a president. But this has nothing to do with Andrew Cuomo. This has nothing to do with that jerk on CNN. That self-indulgent, entitled brat. Something's changed in the Democratic Party. And the Democrats, we have liberals that are crossing over to the other side. You see, but what Democrats like my father thought was the Democrat, and what my father as a Democrat, loving Mario Cuomo and not liking Republican, those are the rhino Republicans. The rhinos. See, a lot of those rhinos are nasty. What is conservatism deep down inside at four o'clock in the morning? Is a conservative someone at 4 a.m. that really can't stand the fact that their neighbor's black? Is that what a conservative is? Or is a conservative somebody that simply says, black, white, yellow, green, we got a code to live by. And it's about minimal government intervention and mutual respect for each and every American. It's about working hard. It's about taking your licks, feeling sorry for yourself a little bit, and then putting it all away, getting it up in the morning and saying, as long as I have a chance to do better, I'm going to do better. Is that conservatism? Or is conservatism, I'm a Republican conservative, I live in a white neighborhood, I don't like people of other races, colors, and queeds in my neighborhood. What's conservatism? And this is what needs to be expressed, discussed. And a lot of us are. Check Candace Owen. Check Larry Elder. I personally was raised a Democrat. I wouldn't be part of that party if you paid me. They're not what they once were. And we have to come to terms with this at the same time. We have to come to terms with whatever the hell the police department in Minneapolis thinks it is. Disbanded? I don't know about who they are, but I'll tell you one thing and then I'll get back to the main thrust of the show. I'd love to go in there and disband that police department. Something stinks. Something stinks, or there's something we don't know, which can be. But yeah, you bet the other three are going to get charged. I certainly hope they do. You just watch somebody do that? The way cops are in a brotherhood with each other, and you watch somebody do that, and you don't take the idiot off? You don't say, hey, 
Charlie, you're over the top. Slow it down. You just watch it? Eight minutes? Something's weird. And this is why you can't take stuff like Antifa lightly. There's something infiltrating. And we got to come to terms with it and keep our heads clear because deep down inside, we're all one. We really are. And that was the beautiful part of the civil disobedience. Blacks, whites, Asians, all together, every race, color, creed together, protesting. That was beautiful. I wish we would have done that for the virus. And maybe indirectly our politicians caught wind. I don't know, guys. I don't know. I know a mystery just occurred. And I can't pin it on anything more than a shift in consciousness. Somewhere along the line. But this is over. All right, so you got some terms. You understand some terms. Look, Italy, 2017, lost 60,000 people to the flu. 2017, the flu epidemic, pandemic. 2017, 2018, just a few years ago, Italy lost 60,000 people. 60,000. Right now, Italy's only lost half that to COVID-19. So why did we shut down Italy? The 2017-2018 flu, internationally, throughout the world, we lost 650,000 people. Right now, we've lost, what, about 350,000 to, to, to COVID-19? What's the statistic? On Worldometer, the number of deaths throughout the world. The number of deaths totally, 400,000 as of today, 400,000 126 deaths. 3 million. You forget that. 400,000 deaths across the world as of today. 400,000. In the 2017-2018 flu, that same number became 650,000. No matter how they slant statistics, we're not going to double the number of deaths by next early spring. We're not. 800,000? If we lost 800,000 people by next March across the world, that would mean this was a very harsh flu. And we're not going to get to 800,000. And unfortunately, unlike earlier, I have to say that with an asterisk, if they don't mess with the statistics, they have lied about the numbers. Our 105,000, 110,000 in the United States today, you have to take off two numbers. Number one, you have to take off the number of people who walked in with symptoms that looked like COVID, no one tested them, and COVID was written down. That's number one. See my other shows. And of course, number two, is the even more egregious problem. And that is people, in fact, that died with COVID. People who had pneumonia that went to the hospital dying of pneumonia that tested positive for COVID were still counted as COVID deaths. If we did this for the flu, if we did this for the flu, the 80,000 we lost in 2017, 2018, triple that number if we had done that for the flu.
I've put this on my past shows. Past years, anyone filling in death certificates will tell you they didn't do for the flu what they were told to do for COVID. What does that mean? Had they done it, the numbers of people we listed out of the CDC's dying of the flu, that number would have skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. Doubled. Tripled. But if we even get a reasonably honest estimation, because not every country does this, although who knows how fast that's changing. I know Brazil's not doing it. But if we look at this in a year, we're not going to see 800,000. You know what we're going to see? We're going to see 650, 700 tops, tops. This will be a harsh flu. This started as a harsh flu. This continued as a harsh flu. We were deceived into thinking it was much worse. We were deceived into thinking it was a plague. And in the end, mark my words, I will be correct. This, at most, was a harsh flu. Except, 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 if you had a comorbidity and you were in the hospital because you couldn't breathe because you had asthma, because you were 400 pounds and in a diabetic coma, and you contracted this thing, your immune system was so burdened already that if you give this thing a chance, it'll rip through you like an alligator's teeth. You see, it'll slice you and dice you. This is a bully. I called this flu a bully. If you're weak enough to succumb to it, you're in trouble. That's where this was different. And for as much as Dr. Drew, Dr. Oz, and some of these cats had to retract their statements because their jobs depended on it, I threw them on, right? We had uh, Del Bigtree throw up a YouTube clip on Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew all retracting their, you know, re retracting their statements that, that COVID was no worse than a flu, really. But back in the day when these guys could speak, Dr. Drew was saying this, basically. This is a bully. And he was right. To this day, it's a bully flu. So second half of the show, we start now. What do you do when you're old? What do you do when you do have a good reason to be scared? Keeping in mind, we already hurt you by not letting this thing mix into the population for three, four months. I don't know how much we heard you hurt you. You know why? Because this thing was already mixing into the population. Honestly, I, I don't want to get into it. I just don't want to get into it. We have strong, strong credibility to the notion that this thing was mixing in because of the Chinese coming here. It's back early November into the eastern and western seaboards. This thing had already spread. We already developed sizable immunity to it. Every time we test... We end up going, ooh, unbelievable. Have you noticed there's not going to be any testing done? There's not. We're never going to do testing. Testing and tracing and all this crap. We're not testing anybody. The few tests we've done have shown us that this was asymptomatic in the population in massive numbers. And yet you have these pigs. And I mean pigs. For the WHO, for the CDC, these pigs in different countries all stating there was a guy out of 
there was a guy that got interviewed that that mutt of a journalist Amapor or whatever her name is such a smut interviewing some guy talking about the Swedish model I've got it on my I've got it downloaded and the guy's basically saying you know we know for a fact that Sweden that's now being attacked because it's supposedly not approaching herd immunity this guy's basically saying yeah but and he just slips it in there. We know there are many, 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 many thousands of more people who would test positive, but they just haven't been tested. Even these liars like this guy know this. They'll let you know it. So testing, if we start testing, we're going to find out that so many of us have this already. It's admitted in New York City, 25%, 20 to 25%. It's so much bigger than that. It's really the reason or one of the big reasons when Kemp in Florida, Governor Kemp in, in Georgia, lifted the quarantine six weeks ago. There's been no change. This thing stabilized a long time ago. All right, enough. Pretty soon I won't be talking about the coronavirus anymore unless a meteor hits the planet and I wouldn't be surprised. All right, if you're in that population and you did want to be proactive, let's talk about old people. And I'm just using the term, the hell with this, you know, senior citizens. No, old people, old and sick, feeble. There's just too many people that identify themselves like that. Of course, if you tell them they're old and feeble, they want to puke on you, but... You think of yourself that way too often. Don't, please don't, but I'm going to use the term. If you're in that state where you're real sick, or you're just, you know, 90 years old, number one, you have to deal with muscle atrophy. Muscle atrophy. If you don't have muscles... You can't move your body. If you can't move your body, you don't work. You can't work. I don't mean work, job, work. I mean your physiology collapses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think so. You, when you sit down and try to stand up out of the chair, you know, and you can barely do it. You can barely stand up out of the chair. You can barely sit in the chair. If you're on the floor, you can barely stand up. Yeah, you. You can hardly walk. God help you if you had to jog. Yeah, if you increase your speed, you might tip over. Yeah. If you're like that, you have severe debilitating muscle atrophy. You know what? I'm going to do this a little differently. Let me just list it for you. You ready? And then I'll break it down for you. Number one, muscle atrophy. Number two, your digestion's shot. Number three, you don't get sunlight. Number four, your dis your blood sugar's been dysregulated. Number six, you have insomnia. Number seven, you've lived in shock. Number eight, your biliary system is scarred and just not working. Next, side effects from medicines. Next, you live in radiation cages. Next, 
you're way overweight. You're 75 years old. You've been holding on to that extra 50, 60, 70, 80 pounds your whole life. Time to lose it. Next is your teeth. You hate the fact that you've lost some teeth. You know you're old. You figure, why spend the money? You're going to be dead soon anyway. Just hold out. Your teeth are rotting out. You're not doing anything about it. You're clenching your jaw at night. You've been doing that for years. And your food practices, last but not least, stink. There's 13 different things. You didn't hear Dr. Burks talk about that. You didn't hear Dr. Fauci talk to that. And now I'll make a mild, gentle, soft, diplomatic critique on the holistic camp. You see, the holistic practitioners. Everyone does the intravenous immune boosters. Everybody's missing the point. If you want to boost your immunity, you have to get rid of the idea of boosting your immunity. It's stupid to even say, yeah, immunity. How do I boost my immunity? What you want to say is, how do I improve my health? Me. How do I, me, I, John Smith, yeah, me, Mary Lamb, yeah, how do I improve my health? That's what you say. You don't say, what do I do to improve my immunity? That is a absurd statement. It doesn't reflect reality. Everything's connected to everything to the point where you cannot isolate one piece of an intricate web of very complicated layered systems and say, oh, I'm just going to pick one out. I had a lady the other day, not the other day, the other year or two. She walks in. She makes an appointment. She wants to work on hormonal balance. I look at the intake form and I see stage three colon cancer. I say to the lady, lady, you have stage three colon cancer. Like, why didn't you ask maybe what we could do more for that? Now, I don't treat colon cancer, but I get bodies healthy to help other things that are done. She says, no, I just want to talk about hormones. I don't want to talk about the colon cancer. You hear that? Who produced that? Who made people, smart people, think that that was reality? And this is what we do. It doesn't matter, allopathic or holistic. This is what we do. We make people think because they don't know enough not to think. Because it makes sense to think that they can just pick what they want to talk about. So, by the same token, you don't just talk about your immune system. You don't say that. That is stupid. There's no other word for this. Ignorant, uneducated. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It means what you're doing is stupid. You're hurting yourself. So get rid of that. Get rid of boosting immunity. I just listed 13 vital components of health that most people neglect. That's what we ought to be doing for the COVID virus. That's what you really need to do. Who needs to do that more than your average 10-year-old? Your average 80-year-old. What a concept. What a concept. An 80-year-old man has to focus on his health a little more diligently than a 12-year-old boy. Gee, 
What studies support that? I don't know anybody that's done a study on that. Maybe that's not true. You see? Let me tell you something. When I was a little boy, I was sentenced to a lifetime in school. Not prison, school. Sometimes there's no difference. A lifetime of school. I'm 62. I'm still in school. I was sentenced to it. There's one thing I can tell you from being sentenced to it. Credentials do not guarantee intelligence. Credentials should never replace common sense. But that's not the rant. The rant is, oh, listen to Dr. Fauci. He's in the know. No, lady, he's not in the know. He's a bought politician parading around as a doctor. It's who he is. He's a public official. He works for the government. You see? They're biased. They're going to have problems telling the truth even if they want to. And so what you've got to come to terms with, credentials do not top common sense. It's good to have credentials. It's fantastic to have knowledge. But degrees, credentials don't necessarily mean knowledge. And they never top common sense. Let's just proceed on that. I don't think that is too difficult to wrap yourself around. Do you? What have you learned in three, four, five, six, eight, nine decades on the planet? That something's better than common sense? So here's common sense. If you're over the age of 70 and you want to do something for the COVID virus, get healthy. Yeah. What a concept. Get rid of your muscle atrophy. Get your heart rate up. Start digesting. Get out in the sun. Regulate your blood sugar. Improve your sleep insomnia. Come out of shock. Come out of sympathetic dominant states. Clean the liver and the gallbladder. Deal with the fact that maybe the 10 medicines you are could be cut to two. Yeah. You're 80. You're on five, six, seven meds. You swear by them. You and your doctor are buds. He sends you or you send him a Christmas card. Get out of that. Reduce your medications. Take them to your medical doctor and say, I want to be on half of these. And when he says, no, you're on these for the rest of your life, tell him, if you say that to me again, I'm going to get another doctor. Radiation, EMF. You're on the cell phone. Then you're in front of the boob tube. Then you got your hands on the computer. Then you're living in a radiation tube. Then you're driving in a car that's a radiation chamber. Then you're flying on jets that are radiation chambers. Then you cook your foods in microwaves. Sick, man. Deal with radiation. Get into nature. Yeah. You got it in the bank. Take $5,000, pay some smart, young, college grad gardener type. You know, they're all going into agriculture and gardening now. They see what's happening. They want to do something about it. Get one out of college. Give them five grand. Tell them to go to work and turn your backyard into a veritable ecosystem. Fix your teeth. And start eating right. Okay? There. Genius. I'm a genius. Tell your friends. Listen to this show. 
There's a genius on that just told you what you could and have heard time and time and time and time and time and time again that we all forget about after 70 during an epidemic, a plague. We forgot about it all. And who do we trust? Idiots like Fauci to tell us to just wear a face mask after it takes him four months to make up his mind. And lowlifes like Burks. What is that woman? Look at my past shows. Herd immunity only refers to vaccines. Tell that to Witkowski, Ionides, Katz, Japaria, Anderson, the Bakersfield doctors. Tell that to them, Dr. Burks. These are screwballs. These people are screwballs. Credentialed with no common sense. There's no better definition of a screwball. Look it up. Look it up in Funkin' Wagnalls. Go look it up. Screwball. Credentialed without common sense. If you combined credentials with lack of common sense, that's called a nut job. Dr. Burks is a nut job. And her statements reflect that. To reduce her herd immunity to nothing more than a vaccine. I don't think I have heard amidst all of this. I think Fauci is a saint next to her. Maybe I'm a little subjective there. But to say that herd immunity, which is our way out, to say that we, not to say that the thing to do would have been to let the unaffected, the un, the low-risk populations herd out to reduce now the probability of elderly catching this now that this thing is over and that even the elderly need to crawl out from under the rock, to deny us that protection, to deny the elderly that protection was very, 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 very bad. All right, if I want to expound further, then we would have to get into what to do about muscle atrophy. Let's do this. I'm going to do a special edition show by Tuesday. And I'm going to get into muscle atrophy. I'm going to get into digestion. I'm going to get into sunlight. I'm going to get into blood sugar, insomnia. And I'm going to give you things to do. Like ways that you can measure improvement in those 10 to maybe I'll make a list of 15 things. And then we'll take it from there. Let's do that. All right, that's what we're going to do. That's the way this is. Now that this is done, what are we going to do? All right. Again, kudos to you. You did it. Nothing outside of a shift in your consciousness could have done this. The pandemic's over. The lies will subside. Because I think you got the game plan down. I'm going to post this show and the other one. Then in the next couple of days, maybe sooner, I'm going to put another piece of this. I'm going to do special edition. And it's going to be strictly devoted to the elderly. I'll talk elderly. You know, I don't have to talk about muscle atrophy to your average 20-year-old male. So this is going to be about the elderly. That's coming next. God bless you. And he did. See you later.